Hi, we're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together that you would discover Jesus and be encouraged to follow him fearlessly. I love you guys so much. What a beautiful church family we're building together, man. I hope you guys can feel it. I hope you can see it. Shout out to everybody watching with us online who's not with us in person. We can't wait to see you in person. Let's, let's give it up for everybody that's actually on a computer right now, on a phone, listening to a podcast, doing something to engage. That's a big deal. That's a big deal, man. Love what God is building here. And um, if you have a Bible you want to get there, we're going to be in John chapter 19. But before I get there, let me, um, let me start today just by thanking some people. I, I feel like it's really important for us to um, often, and we don't do it enough, to thank those of you who give financially to this church to enable the mission to happen here. Um, it's a big deal that you sacrifice in a tough economy uh, to enable what God is doing here. It's a really, really big deal. And just so you know, um, we've got uh, right around 300 households uh, that, um, that support this place. Okay, about around 300 households that give financially to make everything happen here. And so I think it's really important. You know, we've welcomed a whole lot of new people into the family over these last few weeks. Uh, we've actually grown by a couple hundred people since we added a service. I don't know how that's supposed to work, uh, but we are growing, 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 which is amazing. It also means there's a lot of people that don't know what's up at this place and don't know, like, um, kind of who we are. Uh, you need to know this. We're a non-denominational church that preaches Jesus and loves Jesus. But what that means is non-denominational means we do not have a denomination that we belong to. What that really means is we do not have an outside sugar daddy. Okay. Everything that happens here happens because of the generosity of the people in this house. And so uh, for those of you who give, man, I pray that you're feeling the fruits of your generosity. Uh, just last week we had over 20 people make first-time decisions to follow Jesus and give their lives to him. And we should never grow tired of hearing that. But it's not just people making first-time decisions. People are growing in their faith. We've got a couple hundred people that are going through rooted, a discipleship process right now. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. We got uh, people, seven, we, we, we added nearly 100 people to our serving teams over the last three weeks. Uh, people are stepping up. I, it was so cool. Last, uh, last week, um, it was after first service, I had a family come up to me, and, uh, and, and the, the, the wife of the couple said, hey, I have to introduce you to this friend of mine, and she was standing right there. She said, I invited her, and it's the first time I've invited someone to this church, and they came. And, and, and she's like right there, and I'm like, hey, and she's like, I came. <laughs> it was awesome. And so um, people are taking real steps of growth, real life transformation. And so I, I want you to know that when you give financially, um, yes, you are giving to help support one-time, first, like, first decisions, like moment-in-time decisions, but they're not just moment-in-time decisions that are done. They're moment-in-time, first-time decisions that are resulting in life change and life transformation. And so I really want to encourage you, if you're not giving financial, I really want to encourage you to consider it. The easiest way to do it um, is online. We have uh, wall boxes in the back of the room that you can give to. But the way my wife and I do it, we set up our gift online, peakcityco.com give. We set up recurring, so there's no way we'll forget it. And um, we're in the habit of giving at least 10% of what we earn back to the Lord and trusting him in it. So I really want to encourage you um, to give to something that matters. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because I just believe with all of my heart that God wants to do something incredible in this house. But the reason I believe he wants to do something incredible in this house is because I believe he wants to do something incredible in your hearts. That each of you individually, I think God wants to do something so transformative in your life. I think that what God wants to do is, yes, yes, yes. Yes, he wants to compel you to raise your hand and make a decision to cross the line of faith and say, God, I'm going to follow you. But bigger than that, I think that God wants a decision like that to lead into a life 
that is totally changed, that really sets you apart from your coworkers, that sets you apart from your classmates, that sets you apart from your family and your neighbors, that, that a, 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 a changed life that doesn't go with the flow of culture, okay? Y'all know this, but if you just go with the flow of culture right now, good luck. Good luck. You don't have to be a Christian to believe that. If you go with the flow of culture, good luck. It's a messed up world we're living in right now. And, and, and I'm telling you, if you, normal is broken. Normal is so messed up. And God wants you to, God wants to develop something in you that is so strong and so powerful that it truly sets you apart as different. You know that's actually what the word holy means? To be set apart. You know, holy is not a, a, a word that we like to use a lot because it sounds like holier than thou, like it's a bad thing. Holy just means set apart. It means different than the rest of the world. I'm telling you, that's what, that's what God wants to do inside of you. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be holy. But here's the deal, and this is what we're going to find in John 19 today. If you're going to be holy, if you're going to live this life that's set apart, if you're going to see God do incredible things in your life, you're going to have to learn how to obey, follow, and trust Jesus in the million little moments of your life that nobody sees. Oh, man, I... I I got a, a depth of my soul, and I want to take you to the depth of your soul message today. You, you're going to have to learn to trust Jesus in the non-Instagrammable moments of your life. In the million little moments that nobody will ever see. If you're going to see God do the big thing he wants to do in your life, and total life transformation, set apart, oh my gosh. If you're going to see God at the mountaintops, you're going to have to learn how to trust God in the valleys and the plains. Yeah, and, and, and I know, I know, I know. I know when I say this, it flies to the face of our culture. This is not what we've been trained on. We have been trained as a culture to um, celebrate the big moments, right? We, and and I, I would go so far as to say we actually overemphasize the big moments and we underemphasize the little moments, right? Uh, my, my sister-in-law is engaged and about to get married uh, later this fall, and I'll be doing the wedding. It'll be a whole family deal. Everybody's going to be there. And it's like a big deal, right? She's getting married, the bride and the groom. and oh, we, But we, we, we emphasize the big moments, but we underemphasize the million little relational investment moments it takes to build a strong marriage, okay? We overemphasize... Like in sports, come on, you see this, like Steph Curry hits a game-winning three. And you're like, wow, Steph Curry is amazing. We overemphasize the big moments. What we underemphasize is the fact that Steph Curry said in an interview a couple years ago that in the offseason, when he's not playing, he commits himself to 500 makes a day. I'm not talking about 500 shots. The man makes 500. That means he takes way more. We overemphasize the big moments and we underemphasize the million little moments that actually enable that to happen. The same thing happens every week with, with one of my sermons. It, it, it's, it, it never fails. I'll, I'll get up here and I'll just preach my guts out and, you know, pray that God does something with it and God will use it. And I'll, I'll go out to the lobby and talk to somebody and they'll come up and say, hey, Pastor, that was such a great sermon. You really changed my life. And wow, man, I've just never heard that before. Wow, wow, wow. I'm like, man, that's so encouraging. Thank you. And it never fails. About once a month, someone will follow that up and say, so now what do you do during the work, during, during the week for work? <laughs> I'm like both 
encouraged and discouraged. I'm both insulted and complimented that you think I could just pull this out of my butt like that, you know? Like, you think it's just like, oh, just the top of my head, man. I don't know. Just really like to talk. It's like, nah, man, it's like the million little moments of prayer and preparation that lead to the big moments. We overemphasize the big moments and we underemphasize the million little moments. And, and, and I believe with all of my heart that if you're going to see God do big things in your life, and I think even if you're here and you're not sure what you think about faith just yet, God has a plan for your life. There's a reason you're here. He wants to do something powerful in your life. But if you're going to see it come to pass, you need, and this is the title of the sermon, and it's not a sexy title. Oh, my gosh, it's not a sexy title. But you need, desperately, a new vision for holiness. If you're going to see God do the big things he wants to do in your life, you need to understand and you need to be properly motivated and inspired to follow Jesus in the million little moments that nobody's ever going to see. You need a new vision for holiness. And I believe we get it today from John chapter 19. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know you didn't come to church to hear a sermon on holiness. I know you came. I, like in the, in the you do you culture, in the like live your truth culture, where like, you know, it's like follow your hearts. Everybody does it. Like nobody wants the message on holiness. Everyone wants the message on grace and forgiveness, right? And here's the deal. We're going to preach grace and forgiveness every single week. Don't worry today. We're going to preach grace, the grace that's only found in Jesus. You will never experience a Sunday at Peak City where we do not preach the grace of Jesus Christ, okay? But, but if you really want to understand what God wants to do in your life, if you really want to see God, do the things that you've always prayed for. This is not about whether or not God loves you. It's actually deeper than that. God loves you. There's nothing you can do to earn. His grace is free. It's a free gift. It's free. It's free. It's free. But in order to really, really um, experience what God wants you to experience, you must understand his vision for holiness. You must understand why it's so important for you to follow God in the million little moments that nobody ever sees. And man, I'm praying like crazy that someone will receive this message today and, 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 and it, it, it will inspire you to live a radically obedient life that you never get congratulated for. That's what I'm praying happens today. So John chapter 19, can I take you to the depths? Can we, can we have like a, a real like nuanced, grown up, spiritual message that really helps you walk out these doors and live a different life. Are you ready for it? All right, let's go, let's go, let's go, man. I'm so, I am so pumped today for many reasons. I can't live here too long because I'm on a clock. But I got an email yesterday from someone, they're probably watching right now. It was from an anonymous person. And I said, here's what God told me to tell you. And, and it was a lot of things that I'm gonna be pondering over for a long while. But one of the things they said is, don't back down. Mm, mm, mm. So I'm not going to back down. Was that Bob Dylan or Tom Petty? Tom Petty. Hey, baby. <laughs> that's, that's the song, right? And I won't back down. <laughs> I didn't do that first service, sorry. <laughs> I will stand my ground. John 19, man, I'm so excited about this message because... Oh, man, I just believe God's going to use it to do something in our church and something in your life. John 19, we're at the crucifixion. You know, we've said for the past several weeks we're preaching through the last 12 hours of the life of Jesus. Well, we come into the end. And John 19, verses 17 and 18, and then we're going to jump over to one of the other historical accounts of the gospel that detail this situation as well. We see Jesus crucified. John 19, verse 17, it says, Carrying his own cross, 
he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. They drove nails through his wrists, nails through his feet. And with him, two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Now this is, if you're if you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't grow up in church, you've likely heard this as part of the story of Jesus' death. Even if you're not a Christian, you, you may have heard this, that Jesus was crucified, and with him there were two people crucified, one on either side. We, we, we find out in the other historical accounts of the gospel, which again is, is a beautiful thing. We have four historical accounts of the gospel of Jesus, and, and, and they often corroborate each other. They often say the same thing, but they give us more detail in different accounts. It's a beautiful thing that gives us confidence in our faith. If, we, if, if, you, if you jump over to Luke chapter 23, um, we get some more detail about what's happening here with these two criminals, these two thieves that are crucified next to Jesus. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, come on, we're punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, he turns to Jesus, says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It's a beautiful moment in the last hours of Jesus' life. Even on the cross, he is pardoning sin. And he's welcoming guilty criminals into the kingdom of God. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's, 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 it's a beautiful moment, but truthfully, it's also a terrifying moment, <laughs> okay? There's a terrifying aspect to this whole narrative of Jesus on the cross and two guilty criminals on his right and on his left. And one of them, I mean, they seem to be the same, right? They're both guilty criminals. We, we, we find out in another historical account that they're both guilty of theft. They're thieves. And, and two men who seem the same, but they have very different responses. One responds in faith. One responds in trust. One responds in repentance. And the other responds in mockery and irreverence and cynicism and sarcasm. And that should terrify you. It should terrify all of us because it presents the reality that it is very possible for God to be right in front of you and still miss him. Whew. That's a bone-chilling proposition for God to be working in your life, oh, to be all around you and for you to be blind and not even be able to see him. But, you know, as most people preach this, and as most people read this text, they kind of come to the conclusion, well, you know, it's just kind of luck of the draw, though. You got two men who are the same, and you know, coin flip. You know, one, one believes and one doesn't. Some people are people of faith, and some people aren't. You know, some days it's chicken, some days it's feathers. Who knows? You just better hope that in your time of need, you choose God, because these men are basically the same, and Thank goodness one of them did, but the other didn't. I mean, it's just kind of coin flip. I would submit to you that that simple explanation of the thieves on the cross is another classic example of us overemphasizing the big moments in life and underemphasizing the million little moments that led to those reactions. Okay? Because here's the deal. We don't know what led those thieves to the cross. We don't know their life circumstances. We don't know how long they had been thieves. We don't know if they were both lifelong criminals. We don't know if maybe one of them just got caught up in the wrong friend group. We, 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 we just don't know. 
But what we do know from the text, what we do see are dispositions of the heart. Okay? What we do see are, are um, postures of the heart. We see in one man a posture of reverence and fear of God and brokenness over his own sin. And we see in another man postures and dispositions of disrespect, lack of reverence, sarcasm, cynicism. And, and, and here's the deal. We don't know how they got there. But what we do know for sure, guys, come on, you know this, you know this. Dispositions of the heart, postures of the soul do not happen overnight. A cynical, sarcastic spirit, it don't happen overnight. It's a learned behavior over time. Um, uh, disrespect, uh, lack of reverence, a lack of fear of God, it, 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 that's actually not something that comes uh, um, quickly. It's something that is developed over time. Just like on the other side, the fear of God, the reverence of God, the brokenness over your sin, that does not come naturally. That's a soul disposition that takes time. The, the, the posture of your heart, it doesn't happen overnight. It's about a million little decisions that lead you to that place. Come on, come on, come on, you know this. A spirit of greed, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a learned behavior when you look around at the culture around you that says, you earned it, spend it on you. It's a learned behavior by watching your parents. Just like a spirit of generosity doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. This is why, this is why. Peel back the curtain for a second. This is actually why I encourage you to give financially to the church. It's actually not a fear-based thing. It's not like, oh my gosh, am I going to have enough? Like I've had some, some, some good friends here at the church like, Pete, you need to stop worrying about money. God has done too much in this church. He has done too many miraculous things to not bring the resources we need to move forward. I've got faith. If God calls us to it, he will resource us for it. Okay? I'm not in a position where I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to us? No, no, no. What we really want for you is if you'll take the step of generosity and start giving sacrificially, it's a step towards developing a posture in your heart of generosity, which is what God wants for you. Come on. You know this to be true. Lack of patience doesn't happen overnight. It's a learned behavior. Patience for your kids, it doesn't happen overnight. Can I get an amen? It happens over time. My son, my oldest son, Emmett, he came to my office a couple months ago, and it was one of those days where I was up and working in my office before he left for school, and then he got home from school, and I was still in my office, right? It was just one of those grind days where you just got to go, go, go. And so I've been working like nine, ten hours straight, and my son comes in, and he's like, Dad, how do you do that? How do you just like put your head down and work for nine, ten hours straight? And I said, son, that takes time. Dying the slow death of becoming an adult, it takes time. It takes many years to become a lame adult who has to do adult things, okay? It doesn't come naturally. It comes over time. I would submit to you that what we see on the cross and these two very different reactions from these men who seem to be the same, I would submit to you that it is a posture of the heart that is taking years and years and years to develop a million little moments of faithfulness or a lack thereof that caused them to be able to see or not see God. I'm about to drop something on you that I promise you, you most of you have not heard it because it's not like a Instagrammable, quotable, like a social shareable thing, but I'm telling you it's so important for your soul to understand this. And, and, and you, you just have to hang with me to understand what I'm really saying and what I'm not saying, okay? What we see here in the Thieves on the Cross is that the, the posture of your heart, the posture of your soul that takes lots of time to develop, 
it actually either enables or inhibits your ability to see God. I need you to, I mean, we're about to go under, we're about to go deep into the waters right now. Everybody take a big deep breath and hold it. You don't have to hold it, but it's a, it's a symbolic thing. You're about to, we're about to go deep for a second. The postures and dispositions of your heart either enable or inhibit your ability to see God. And this is not some fancy like, oh, Petey's really going off the rails with like spiritual things that I've never, oh my gosh, what is this? No, no, this is just the words of Jesus. This is the words of Jesus, guys. Matthew chapter 5, he says it like this. He says, blessed are the pure in hearts, for they will what? See God. Blessed are the pure in heart. The ones who are faithful, the ones who are holy, the ones who in the million little moments that nobody sees, they choose to follow Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And in fact, it's, it's even reemphasized in Hebrews chapter 12. The author of Hebrews puts it like this. He says, strive for peace with everyone. In the ESV, it actually says strive instead of make every effort. Strive, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy because without holiness, no one will what? See the Lord. I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. I'm not saying that without holiness, God will not love you. That's not what I'm saying. God's grace is a free gift. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. There's nothing you do to earn it. Salvation is a free gift from God. There's nothing you do to earn it. You just receive it. It's free. I'm not talking about whether or not God loves you. I'm talking about whether or not you see him. Whether or not you see God at work in your life. You see, the principle I'm trying to teach you, I got a spiritual way to say it for all of you that are very fancy with spiritual words, and then I got a simple way for those of us that need it simplified, okay? The spiritual way to understand this principle is this. The level of your personal holiness will determine the level of your personal revelation. The level to which you are holy and faithful and obedient, it doesn't change the level to which you are loved, but it changes the level to which you see God. Let me put it more simple for those of us in the room like myself that are kind of thick-skulled and need it real simple. The more you obey God, the more you see God. That's it. It's not the more you obey God, the more you're loved by God. No, 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 no. I'm talking about how much you see God. The more you obey God, the more you see God. I'm trying to give you a new vision for holiness. I'm trying to give you a, a vision that will truly inspire you and compel you. That if you would walk in the ways of Jesus, if you would trust him in the moments when no one's watching, I'm telling you, you would see him do things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can comprehend. And oh my gosh, you will wake up every day with a beating and burning passion to live for him. If only you could see him. You need a new vision for holiness. And it's not a new vision. It's actually just an old school vision. It's just new to you. It's just new to you. You see, because here's the deal. <laughs> Following Jesus, you know this, it is freaking hard. Anyone else ever tried it and felt like it was hard? Yeah, we got 30 honest people in the crowd. <laughs> and if you're going to do something hard, you need the right motivation. Right, come on, we're, we're at the end of February, New Year's all the New Year's resolutions have failed, let's just embrace it. It's all good, we're in good company, fellow strugglers. The reason it failed though is because you lacked the proper motivation, right? The reason that you're now back on the Oreo train is because you didn't see the numbers drop on the scale and you're like, I don't, I don't know, man, if I'm, if I'm giving up Oreos but this, the pounds are the same, man, I'm, I'm back on, man, let's go. You know, like some of y'all were doing dry January, 
And you're thinking, man, man, maybe I should take this further, dry February. But then February came and some things happened at work. And it was like, no, man, I'm having, I'm having a drink today, right? But if you had the right motivation, if you had called up a friend at work and said, hey, here's the deal. If I drink alcohol, I owe you $1,000. Let me tell you, you would be heading into dry March right now. You just ain't got the right motivation. <laughs> you ain't got the right inspiration. And I feel it deep in my bones that we are losing generations of people who, we, what we have right now in the church are so many people who say, I love Jesus and I believe in Jesus, but I cannot follow Jesus with my everyday life because they lack the proper inspiration and motivation. How, th come on, think about this. Cut through the church crap for a second. Cut through the, the, the spiritual jargon. Think about how we motivate and compel our kids, the, 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 the youth of our country. Think about how you were compelled to actually live for Jesus. There were two ways that, we, that, that you were likely compelled. You were either compelled with duty or debt. Duty or debt. You were either compelled to live for Jesus out of duty. It's the right thing to do. Come on, you, there's right and there's wrong and you need to do the right thing. It's your duty. It's your duty to, to do the right thing. Here's the deal, though. You know as well as I do, that does not motivate. That does not inspire you. When you are tempted and it feels like you want to do something you know you shouldn't do, duty does not, does not inspire you. Duty does not compel you. No, 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 no. A, a box of religious items to check off, to say I'm a good person, that, that is not inspirational. Duty does not work. But, but also, friends, come on, come on. I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. I, I don't want you to clip this out and get mad at me. The motivation of debt, that we have a debt to pay, also does not inspire. I want you to hear me, one of my favorite songs of all time, I'm not disparaging this song, because it's, it's not wrong, it's true. Um, Jesus paid it all, what's the next line? All to him I owe. That's the motivation of debt. And here's the deal, that's, that's true. Jesus paid the debt of your sin. When he, when he hung on the cross, oh my gosh, you're forgiven. And he paid the penalty for your sins. It's true, it's true, it's true. And all to him you owe. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Like you could, but here's the deal. It's not inspiring. Think about this. If you're living your life to pay God back for the love that he has shown you, do you, do you feel inspired? Do you feel motivated when you pay off your credit card every month? Ooh, man, I just love it. I just love getting on Chase.com and then clicking the little buttons and just watching my money fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. That's a song about your money. <laughs> it's just so inspiring to pay off my debt. Come on, no. It's not inspiring. It's not, it's not compelling. Think about it like this. Much less if you were paying down a credit card that you'll, that you'll never actually pay off. How uninspiring is that? Friend, you will never... Never do enough good to pay back Jesus for what he's done for you. Oh, you'll never pay it back. That's why it's amazing grace. Oh my gosh, you can never do enough good. You can never outgive God. You can never outlove God. You'll never pay him back. And that motivation, if you're walking around going, man, God, I got to do this for you just because you did that for me. You, you died on the cross, so I guess I got to live like this. That is short-term inspiration and motivation. You need a new vision for holiness. You, and I'm telling you, the inspiration that you lack, it is that you have not seen the glory of God. The inspiration that you lack to walk in holiness and faithfulness is because you don't understand what you're missing. 
Your life is too crowded by the mess. Your life is too crowded by the sin. You're, 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 like, the eyes of your heart are too crowded by the mess. They're too crowded by the disobedience. You can't even see God, so you can't see why you should live for him. And here's the deal. It's, I want you to hang with me. Nuance. I'm not saying that God is waiting on your obedience in order to work in your life. God's better than that. He's a better father than that. What I'm saying is God is likely already at work in your life, but you can't even see it. You can't even see it. Oh, man. Okay. This is like two months ago. Two months ago, I was, I was having a, um, you know, it was just like it was getting close to Christmas. Lots of church stuff happening. Lots of decisions being made. And I just needed, I just needed a day. Anybody else ever need a day? Yeah, okay. I needed a day. So I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm going to the mountains. I'm going snowboarding. Colorado therapy, right? That's how you can tell you're, you're like a real true Coloradan. Like when, when falling down a mountain and hurting yourself is therapy. Okay. So I'll go up the mountain by myself for a day, and I'm, I'm heading up there, and it's, um, it's beautiful, man. There's snow falling. There's a big snowstorm coming in, um, which is both beautiful and terrifying, right? It's beautiful because you see the snow in the mountains, but it's terrifying because I-70. And so it's just, it's, just, it's just awful, but it's awesome. Well, what, what made things worse that day was that when I got in the car and I, and I got right to I-70, I got the notification that said, uh, your windshield washer fluid is out. And so I'm like, oh, good Lord. So I'm heading up in the mountains and there's muck everywhere. There's slush everywhere. My windshield is just getting completely crowded. It's awful. I can see like five feet in front of me. So I did like, like redneck PD came to the rescue. Okay, I grabbed a bottle of water in my car and I rolled down the window, I'm driving, and I'm like, I've got the lid off of it, and I'm just like throwing water on the windshield, <laughs> pressing the windshield wiper, throwing it on there. I mean, it was like, it was so dangerous and so redneck. And, and like for 10 seconds, I could see. You know, for 10 seconds, it was like, and, and man, when you see, come on, you know this. We live in the most ridiculous place in the world. You know this, right? People spend their life savings People borrow from their retirement to have a trip to come out here and see what's in our backyard. It's amazing. And when you see the snow falling down and you're driving through the mountains, it's like the glory of God is on display. The grandness. It's just unbelievable. And I could see it for like 10 seconds. And then the muck would come back on the windshield. It's like, ah, let me get my redneck water bottle out and toss some more on this. Man, what, a, what an illustration for your soul. What an illustration for your soul right now that the glory of God is all around you and God is at work in so many ways, but man, you can't see it for the muck in your life. You can't see it for the disobedience. You can't see it for the sin. You can't see it because of all the things, all the ways you're disobeying God, and it's not that he doesn't love you. It's just that it's clouding your judgment. It's clouding your vision. It's clouding your soul. You can't see God, but man, if, if, if you would just walk in his ways, if you would just walk in obedience to him, it's like the windshield of your soul would get cleaned again and you would behold the glory of God, you would see him work in such powerful ways and it would inspire you to holiness. When you see God do what only God can do, it inspires you to holiness. When you see God do things in your life and there are stories that you'll tell your grandkids about one day, it inspires you to keep following Jesus, to stay obedient to him. Because if you don't, what are you gonna miss? Oh, think about the stories you might miss. I'm telling you, but, but God will wait on you to be obedient before he clears the, the eyes of your heart to see the glory of God. Oh, that I, you know, as the, as the psalmist would write in so many places, oh, that I might just spend one day beholding the glory of God. 
Oh, that I might just see him in his temple. Oh, that I might just see him and get a glimpse of who he is. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Until you're sacrificially generous, you will never see God's faithfulness in your finances. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying that God isn't providing for you. I'm not saying he's not working in your life. I'm not saying it's a reward-based system. I'm saying you actually won't even see it. You won't see the hand of God in your life. The more you obey God, the more you see God. Until you're sexually pure and faithful to your spouse, you will never see God build the kind of intimacy that the devil could never destroy. Until you're committed to his word more than scrolling your phone, you'll never hear his voice. Until you guard your mouth from divisive words and gossip and slander and filth, until you guard your mouth, you'll never see God use your words to build someone up and call them into their purpose. You know, you, you could see that. I, I stand as a, as a witness to this. I know there's people in this room, Scott could testify, there's, Jacob could testify, there's so many people in this room that, that could testify to this. Your words have the power to build someone up and call them into their purpose. But if you're dogging people and your speech is garbage, the rest of it, you will never see God use your words in that kind of way. The more you obey God, the more you will see God. Until you practice confession and honesty, you will never see the deepest wounds of your soul healed. James, the brother of Jesus, says, you confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. you got to obey God if you want to see God. Until you boldly share your faith with others, you will never see your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, and your family come to Jesus and get baptized. I'm gonna brag on her right now. She's right on the other side of that camera. Online audience, you can't see this because she's actually running the camera right now, but we've got an amazing volunteer, amazing part of our ministry team right now named Violetta. Everybody in the room turn around. And Violetta, wave at everybody. Wave at them so they see you. Violetta knows exactly what I'm talking about. You need to understand, Violetta got baptized at this church about two months ago. And what's she doing? Serving. What's she doing? Sacrificing. She's in. But here's the deal. Violetta gave her life to the Lord, got baptized. It was a beautiful moment. And then she got serious about following Jesus. And she obeyed God. You know what she did? She invited all of her coworkers and all of her friends and people she's close with here in the community to her baptism. And so there was a whole row of people that Violetta had brought to her baptism. You know what's amazing is that she obeyed God and then she saw God do something amazing. Because just three weeks ago, guess who was in the baptistry baptizing a few of her friends? Violetta! She saw God's faithfulness. She obeyed God and she saw God. I mean, come on, and that's a story, oh, I just want you to capture it. I want you to see God right now. That is a story that will motivate and compel Violetta for the rest of her life. Do you understand that? She saw God in such a powerful way, it will inspire her to follow Jesus for the rest of her days. When she's old lady Violetta, which by the way, that is like a, that's similar to old man Petey. That's a name that's going to be great as an old person, okay? You got that on lockdown. As old lady Violetta, she'll be telling the story. 
She'll be telling the story. Oh, if you would just trust God, if you just follow Jesus, oh, you'll see things that you never thought you'd ever see before. Let me tell you, when I gave my life to Jesus and got baptized, I didn't wait until I was a super Christian and knew everything to start sharing my faith. I just invited all my coworkers and all my friends to church, and wouldn't you know it, about eight, nine weeks later, I was in the baptistry dunking them. That's a story that she will live to tell for the rest of her life. It's a new vision for holiness. And I believe in this cultural moment, it is the vision that is so necessary. It is so necessary for you to hear this right now. In a culture that is so obsessed with highlight reels, Instagrammable moments, and, and th things that the whole world can see, like, come on, we're craving experiences. We're craving experiences. I'll tell you right now, there, there are people in this room, and, and some of you are going to chuckle when I say this, and some of you, it's going to hit you in the depths of your soul. There are people in this room who your life, be honest, you are miserable because you're so bored. You're miserable because you know you're going to wake up tomorrow and go to a job that you don't see any purpose in, with coworkers that you don't see any purpose in being around. And you feel like every day is just another day. Every day is just another day. And just, and like, it, it just feels like life is so boring. I'm telling you, what you need to understand is that life with God, oh, life with God is the least boring thing you could ever experience in your life. You were meant to see God in such a way that it does not matter what your career is. You wake up every day filled with purpose, ready to see what, what, what's he going to do today? How's he going to use me today? You were meant to live with that kind of on the edge of your seat, like, God, I cannot wait to see what you do today. And I know, I know, I know. I know you want it. I know that you, deep in your soul, you want the David and Goliath moments. You want the big moments of faith that you live to tell Right? You want the big, you want the moment where like, you know, if you're, if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, David, this, this young, Phil, this, this young Israel, uh, Israelite boy, slays a Philistine giant, five smooth stones, hits him with it. This guy who's scaring the whole army of Israel, he kills him. And that's like the kid's ministry version. And then the real version, when you read the Bible, he gets on him, he takes out a sword and he cuts his head off. And then he lifts his head up as a trophy. That's the Braveheart, also real Bible version, if you read it, okay? It's an amazing moment where, like, he'll never forget this. He'll never forget God's faith. He'll never forget the courage. But here's the deal. If you want the Goliath moments, like David, you got to be faithful in the million little moments when nobody's watching. See, you don't know that. You think David just had a bunch of courage, and he just got up and said, I got this. No, 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 no. Hold up, hold up. David had that courage. Because he had walked faithfully with the Lord for years when nobody was watching. If you look at 1 Samuel, it'll be on the screen behind me, 1 Samuel 17. Everybody's shaking in their boots about Goliath. And even King Saul is shaking in his boots. And David says, I got him. I'll take him down. It says Saul replied in verse 33, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a, he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, oh, no, 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 hold up. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. <laughs> you didn't know that, but I was just a little shepherd boy. And I've been keeping my father's sheep for years. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. And I struck it. And I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. 
the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear when nobody was watching, when no one was Instagramming it, when I got no recognition for it, but God was faithful and I walked with him when no one was watching, that same God will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. It was the million little moments of faithfulness that led to David even being able to see what God was doing in the moment. It's a new vision for holiness. It's a new vision for it. It's a new vision. And I know, I know, I know, I know. I know what the devil's whispering in your ear right now. Ooh. Sometimes in these sermons, I feel like I live in your head rent-free. I know what he's whispering in your head right now. I know some of you, you're thinking, this is such garbage. Do you understand? Like, if you're a logical thinker and you're processing through all this, like, this is such garbage. He just preached a sermon on holiness, how we should be faithful to Jesus. And his two examples were a thief and King David. If you know anything about King David, you're like, hey, isn't that the dude who like stood on the rooftop and saw the naked chick and then had her husband sent to the front lines to be murdered to cover up the affair? <laughs> like, really? He's your example of holiness? Let me, um, let me just preach the gospel over you right now and combat the lies of the enemy. You are not um, um, living with a burden or a pressure to be perfect. That's not what this is. In fact, if you go back to that Hebrews verse, put it back up there for me, Stephen. Strive for peace. It's not perfect. No, no, no. Strive for the holiness without which no, strive. Don't let your, don't let your past failures disqualify your future holiness. Just because you've screwed it up in the past, it's okay. Like, like let, let go of that. Apply the gospel of Jesus to your life. He stretched out his arms and he died for you so you could be forgiven and so that you could now live in newness of life. Just because you've screwed up before doesn't mean you've got to screw it up again. Don't let your past failures disqualify your future holiness. But I know some of you, I know some of you, I know some of you are not disagreeing with this. Right? I know some of you are just feeling such shame and guilt right now. The enemy is whispering lies of shame into your ear right now. That what you've done is unforgivable. It makes you unlovable. And, and, and maybe he's even whispering lies of fear into your mind right now. That you could never live holy like that. You could never, you could never overcome and conquer the, the devils in your life. Shame and fear. Man, can I, can I just end our time by preaching the gospel to all of those lies real quick? Will you stand with me to your feet and receive this? I want you to understand, every fear, every, every shame, every ounce of guilt that you are hearing in your head right now that tells you that you can't live a set-apart holy life, you need to preach the gospel over it. You need to receive the gospel over it because Jesus has done it all. Jesus, in him, you have everything you need right now to live a holy life. You have, in Jesus, his example. You have the example of Jesus. The life that he has lived, it is the life you were meant to live. You follow him, you walk in his ways, you've got the example. And, and friend, I'm telling you, because of the cross, you've got grace. You've got grace to cover up and to make up for the times when, not if, when you screw up. You have his grace. And friend, because of the resurrection, you have his power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it is in everyone who has believed. 
is that everyone who has decided to follow, you have his example, you have his grace, you have his power, you have Jesus. You have everything that you could ever need to live the life he's called you to. But you need to speak it over your life and you need to believe it from the depth of your soul. And so what I want you to do, we're gonna declare these things over our life and declare them over every doubt you have right now. And so I want you to say it out loud over whatever you're thinking right now, whatever your story looks like, whatever you feel God calling you to next, whatever holiness, whatever straight and narrow path he's calling you to walk on, I want you to say, I have his example. Oh, that was so weak, get out of here. Say, I have his example. Yeah, 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 I have his grace. I have his power. I have Jesus. I have his example. I have his grace. I have his power. I have Jesus. Friend, you have everything you need to live the life that God has called you to live. You can be set apart from the culture that's so freaking crazy right now. You've got it if you've got Jesus. And I know somebody in this room needs to receive Jesus for the first time. I know that somebody in this room maybe needs to recommit your life to Jesus. You've walked away from him for many years and maybe today's the day that you turn your life back to Jesus. So let's, let's go before the Lord and make some big decisions right now. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes to create privacy in the room? If you're here and you know that you've been wandering through this life, you've been trying to keep up with the world around you and it's just left you broken, and you know all along that Jesus is the one you've been searching for. Friend, you don't have to have your life cleaned up. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't even have to know what the future holds. If you're just ready to say yes to grace, yes to forgiveness, and yes to a fresh start, friend, it's yours in Jesus. It's yours because of what he did for you on the cross. And, and, and if you wanna make that decision today to begin your journey of following him, then I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. It's a private moment between you and God. No one's gonna parade your decision around. This is between you and him. And so if you wanna become a follower of Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. We see those, that's incredible. Thank you, Jesus. Several hands in, in the air all across the room. It's amazing. If you just made that decision, I want you to know all of heaven is rejoicing with you right now. Pixie, to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, but can you make heaven come down to earth a little bit and celebrate the life change? Celebrate the grace of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for a fresh start. God, I pray right now that everyone in the room who just made that decision and have received your love and grace for the very first time, I pray that you would, whatever's happening in their heart and mind right now, would you make that happen in all of our hearts right now? God, as King David prayed in Psalm 51, would you restore to us the joy of salvation right now? If there's anyone in the room right now that wants to recommit their life to Jesus, you know you've been walking the wrong way and it's time for you to turn your life around. It's time for you to get back on the narrow path. It's time for you to live for him again. If you want to recommit your life to him, will you raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Hands up all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We have your example. We have your grace. We have your power. We have all that we need. So God, would you send us out from here? 
Would you do something special in this church right now, God? Would you, would you bring revival to this place, but let it start with our sincere hearts that just want to live for you, that just want to be holy, that just want to be set apart. God, do it inside of us first, and let us leave here today fully convicted and fully convinced that you are the way, the truth, and the life. God, thank you for your spirit moving in this place. We celebrate you, and we give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray together by saying amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate the people that made big decisions today, man. Thank you for joining us for this Peak City message today. We're so glad that you were here. If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or information on how to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, you can visit us at peakcityco.com.